everybody's gone. Everybody left us. I know. Just here by ourselves. It's like they trust us to do this alone. That's a mistake. <laughs> That's absolutely a mistake. We're going to talk about all sorts of ridiculous and inappropriate. Not inappropriate, just off-topic things. Well, we can't say not inappropriate because we haven't talked about it yet. That's fair. Could be inappropriate. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. It'll be fine. All right. Welcome back to the Beyond Sunday podcast. We're exploring how to take our faith beyond Sunday morning. This is Patrick Nazaroff with me as always. Pastor David Nazar. How are you doing, Patrick? That's it. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's just us two. That's all right. Yeah. It's like the the good old middle ages that we keep going back to. <laughs> <laughs> the middle age, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When we were well, we were over Zoom. And oh man, the middle ages. Yeah, those were the days. Were they? <laughs> those were days, all right. <laughs> they, were, they were days. You remember that one time when we <laughs> when we tried to like live stream our podcast recording, like onto the Facebook? I we, do remember that. Yeah. yeah, that was a failed experiment in podcasting. It sure was. <laughs> My dog was probably barking the whole time. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Podcasting from your home is definitely the best place to do it all the time. No, it was not. Those were those were not fun times. But now we're back in, in studio. We've yeah. been here for a while. so We have been. Yeah. Yeah. We're just time. reminiscing yeah. about the times yes. bygone. Yes, uh, Elise is not available. She's so somewhere. Here. She's Who somewhere knows? doing stuff. And Cassandra, our sub, also, also not available. Somewhere doing stuff. Yeah. People. Yeah, it's pretty rude. Commitment, tell you what. How dare they? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I'd like to know, where's your commitment to be That's on Sunday? an excellent question. You as a listener are committed and you're listening. We appreciate you, listener. Where's their commitment? Send us your emails and let us know where you think their commitment went. Beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll get in. We'll get, we still have a topic, though. Oh. Even though it's just the two of us. It's not just us chatting for a while. <laughs> not just us chatting. Yeah. All right, uh, but first we have some news. Okay, what do we got? Oh, I've got a, a small town mystery. Ooh, yes. that kind of mystery, like a ghost? No, spooky in Western Australia. Is this like a Knives Out mystery, a Who Done It? It is a Who Done It. Do I need to speak in a very interesting Southern accent? No, no, you could. I mean, it's in Australia though, so give me your best Australian accent. Well, good eye, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah, throw another shrimp on the barbie. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, <laughs> what else do you say? It's a wallaby. <laughs> there you go. That's all I got. Yeah, <laughs> Fosters, <laughs> Australian for beer. <laughs> I don't even think they drink that there. So. Yeah, I think it's like Miller Lite here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, we've got a mystery. In Warwick, which is a hamlet of 70 people. Guarantee that's not how it's actually pronounced. Warwick? Yeah. W-A-R-R-A-K. I'm not saying it's not how it's spelled, but I'm <laughs> saying it's not how it's pronounced. Okay. Uh, Warwick Minion Mystery sees oh. Despicable Me sculptures bring a smile from ear to ear. Oh, Okay. Okay, so this mystery, there's somebody in the town of Warwick, which is 70 people, uh-huh. putting up minion statues everywhere. Okay, so we've only got 70 candidates. That's true. And I bet some of them are children. Right. So. Probably incapable of accomplishing this on their own. Yeah. yeah. And some of them <laughs> might not be able to like get around. That's true. We're really limiting the pool here. Yeah, I bet, I bet there's only like maybe 40 candidates at most. We, yeah. can, we can solve this. Sure, yeah. <laughs> we can do it. We're shifting into a mystery-solving podcast. We're like cereal. That's yeah, right. The first mystery podcast. First, yeah. The first episode of The Minions of Work. Yes. <laughs> minions, yes. All right. The, the sturdy sculptures are expertly painted and made of glass bottles and scrap metal. Wow. This is from the article. I looked at these things. Ex- expertly is... Subjective. <laughs> <laughs> they are painted. <laughs> They're definitely painted. Now, are they uh, actually painted? Yeah. Up to interpretation. Are, are you familiar with minions? Yeah, like the little yellow guys from yeah, the. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. I've seen. Despicable Me. 
I've seen the first Despicable Me. Yeah, I think I saw the second one too. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I really liked the first one. It's yeah, cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cute. It's a cute little kids movie. I know, like for a while there, when I went on like Facebook, there was a lot of people sharing Minion memes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was very popular. That was, the Minion memes were super popular. Yeah, which is basically like cliche sayings with just like a minion. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. It's whatever. It is what it is. It's Facebook, yeah. They just they have a new movie, right? Minion the Minion movie came out relatively did. recently. Did not see. It was not up for an Oscar. <laughs> Shockingly. <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh well some of these minions are letterboxes, some are plant holders, oh. some are just art, you know. But whoever's creating them must be local, as each minion reflects something about the person whose house they are nearest to. Wow, okay. This okay. is intense. Yes. So we have a stalker. Who is Who's studying their neighbors yes. and creating and minion cre- statues? It's like that there. episode of Seinfeld where Kramer started creating everybody out of pasta. For sure, yes, <laughs> yes. For silly Jerry, yeah, because he's silly. Because he's silly, yeah. <laughs> um, so Shane Godin, who owns Mountainside Wi- Wines, Warwick's only business. <laughs> wow, this is quite a town. Because they commute. Um, he says the first minion popped up mid-December. Uh, right after the whole town visited for the annual Christmas party. That's pretty fun. The whole, the whole town. town for yeah. a Christmas party. Okay. Uh, as people at home, the first one was at the front of his property, and it was him, uh, this minion, holding, like, a giant wine bottle. And and minion is pretty, you know, like, would you look at this and say, like, that's a minion? I mean, I get it, but no, I would not immediately look at that and say that's a minion. Yeah, it's got, yeah. like, giant eyes. It looks like a propane tank with giant eyes, is yeah. what I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Who could it be? So, and then we're now up to 24 of these minions. Wow. Okay. Okay. No one's been able to identify the creator, but some have come close. I don't think anybody's trying very hard. Okay. Well, we've got some stills from a, from a, from a camera. Oh, okay. We've caught them on camera. And we still don't know who they are? Man, we're bad at this. this <laughs> well, people of they Warwick. were dressed as Santa. <laughs> so maybe it was Santa. Yeah. There's your answer right there. Santa's <laughs> giving a little gift to the people of Warwick. It's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year round. Okay. So they're put in pretty solidly. They go dig a hole, put in some cement, and there you go. Wait, they have time to dig a hole and put in cement and nobody's catching this person? I don't know what's going on. What is happening? Yeah. Is like the whole town leave for the weekend or something? There's a prime suspect, though. Yeah. Daniel Bucky Buckingham. The one person who has access to concrete (laughs) in the town? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Here's the theory. Mr. Buckingham owns an angle grinder... Ah. Which would be a, fa- a handy tool for welding and fabricating. Does he own an actual welder? Because that would also be a handy tool for welding and fabricating. So Mr. Gonan, the w- wines guy, uh, he'd have the skills to do it in the place of time, and he's really community motivated. That's, he's a prime suspect. I don't feel like it should be that hard to figure out who this is. Yeah. Uh, Bucky says, I own an angle, angle grinder, but I think every farmer does. I don't own an angle grinder. I do own an angle oh. grinder. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the angle grinder is the piece of evidence that I was expecting to point to someone here. Sure. I think I was looking sure. for something a little bit more uh yeah, yeah alarming. Yeah. No, if you were to, you know, decorate, you know, random acts of decoration here uh-huh. in your neighborhood, what would you what would you do? Oh, like if I were gonna make my own minion statues? Yeah. Uh hmm, that's a good question. Let's sure. see, we're in the woodlands. Yeah. So maybe I would do like fabricated trees. That seems pretty lame. I don't want, I don't want to do that. Wooded creatures. Well, yeah, woodland creatures. That could be fun. You could get like a raccoon or you could get the woodland creature that reflects the personality of the person who's closest to it. So, you know, for your neighbor that's always peeking out their window, you give him a raccoon. Sure. And for the neighbor whose house smells funny, you give him a skunk. And <laughs> yeah. for the neighbor who's weirdly annoying in the middle of the night, you give him an owl, right? These are all, yeah. <laughs> 
these, yeah, <laughs> your neighbors are going to know what you think of that based on. I mean, I think these people all know what uh, sure. this mystery person thinks of them based on their minions. Uh. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, you know, look, I, you know, somebody put up a little thing. Uh, I, well, by the way, there's one more, uh, one more maybe, you know, uh, case for Bucky Buckingham. Oh, more than just the angle grinder? Yeah. In his field, he has a Gru statue that he made. <laughs> so. Mm. So, okay yeah. yeah so he's already has a Gru statue yeah yeah so we've got the Gru statue and he's got an angle grinder yeah i'm, a, I'm sold what else do you need bucky buckingham yeah. okay let's go arrest him i don't what's the appropriate thing to do here i don't know oh, it's, it's a fun little story there in warren australia warwick warwick yeah warwick australia which apparently there are warwicks all over the place because i looked it up just now there's one in new york there's one in the uk all there's, sorts of warwicks dion <laughs> What? Dionne Warwick. Okay. <laughs> She's a singer. Yeah, I got there. Just, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, I'm sorry. You can uh, you can send your complaints to uh, beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. We'll take all of your email complaints. Uh, you know. <laughs> Any email we can get. Yeah, anything. Hey, we got one, right? We do. Yeah, we've oh. got one today. Great. It's our second one that we're like able to, oh no, we've done more than that. That's yeah. It, yeah. End of the episode. Second one re- re- in recent memory. Yeah. So, well, end of the episode. We'll shout that. that, that Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's get to our main topic here. Let's do it. From Religion News Service. That seemed like a news service. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Sure. Does education cure, cures in quotes, people of faith? The data says no. Okay. Educate. So like when I learn stuff, do I immediately drop my faith? Uh, this would be, you know, scholastic education, not just like, are you smart? You know, what other kind of education is there? Well, you could say like, I've learned things on my own. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, so like, this is like going to school, going to school, not just like the, does not just educating myself through the ways of the world and yeah, like yes, yes, yeah. street smarts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is, does like, is there a correlation between the level of education you have and faith is what the, okay. the question is here. All right. What do you think? Well, this says no. So. Well, but it says it doesn't cure you of faith, but I think they're probably... I would guess that there is co- a correlation between the level of education that you have. Yeah. But I, yeah. I'm going to say, I think both sides would claim it. Would claim, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like both like a secularist side and the religious side. I've heard both, like, you know, complaints about education or complaints about religion, yeah. you know, based on level of education, right? I think we've all at least heard like this idea that. If you are sending your kids to public school yeah. or public uh, university, mm-hmm. they're not going to become Christians, right? Like they're gonna, they're gonna, are they're gonna, they're gonna lose their faith. They're gonna yeah. lose their faith because yeah. the, the schools are out to like teach them uh, that they're not that faith is not for them. Like they're yeah. not not that like Christianity is not real. Mm-hmm. I've definitely heard this, sure, from Christians. Yeah, yeah, and I've also heard that most religious people are dumb. <laughs> from secular you know people right yeah I, i've also heard those things so I have. so this would be kind of both sides seem to be like yeah you should not go to college if you want to be made a christian yeah yeah and this says no this says no okay there's no correlation okay well let's see let's get into it let's see what happens okay so uh 30 years ago washington post published an article on christian televangelist describing their followers as largely poor uneducated and easy to command I believe that that's who was watching televangelism in the, what, 19, oh God, 30 years ago, early 1990s. <laughs> I know. That's disappointing. 30 years ago. Every time it's like 30 years ago. The I'm like 60s, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> 60s, 70s. Yeah. 
Nope. <laughs> I know. Yikes. <laughs> My childhood. Okay. But I, I believe that's who uh, white, te- white televangelists were market- targeting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the pushback was immediate, right? You know, like nobody's going to be... A whole bunch of smart people were like, hey, I watch televangelists. Is that well, what a whole bunch of Christians saying, like, you can't say that, you know. But if that's who they're... I don't know. Okay. Probably from the televangelists themselves. Too, right. right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so, but that is kind of like, we've kind of acknowledged like a complaint from secularism yeah. is, you know, Christianity is, is uh, for the poor, the uneducated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And the, yeah, it's not for, for quote unquote smart people. Sure. Okay. Um, so the data reveals that exactly, actually the opposite is true. Uh, the common assumption that a formal education, particularly a college degree, is antithetical to religious belonging is not true. Uh, those who are most likely to be religiously unaffiliated are those with the lowest levels of formis- formal education. All right, so what do we think? And and the opposite is true as well. The group that is most likely to align with the faith tradition, those that have earned a college degree are more. Huh. So. That, I mean, it's definitely not what I would have just expected. Just, I mean, from... What's the word that I'm looking for? When you have like a story, uh, there's a word here. This is bias. great podcasting. Yeah. No, not bias. It's a, I, just from like observations, right? When I, when I'm around the, when I'm around the communities and things like that, I, you tend to think, uh, that the data would say the opposite of that. So they're saying that the people who are most likely to have faith have higher degrees of education. Yeah. It looks like, uh, that's what they're saying. This chart does not, well, their chart, I think, uh, disputes the, what they were saying here. Oh, good. So, it's a useful chart. Useful, very useful. Um, but but I think one thing is interesting here that we'll get into in a second. So in the last in the past 14 years, that's easier, right? Yeah. So in 2008. Yeah. So when this article was uh, was, sure. was doing its stuff. Um, they would say uh, Americans who attain no more than a high school diploma uh, have been more likely to report no relig- religious affiliation than college graduates. Huh. Okay. So in 2020, 38% of those who did not finish high school described their religion as atheistic, agnostic, or nothing in particular. But for those who had completed some graduate school, just 32% said that those were unaffiliated with the religious community. Okay. So I wonder if that has something to do with college and advanced learning in general making you more firm in your beliefs, right? Uh And so there's... And there's a certain level of cultural comfort that I think for a lot of people comes through a college degree, right? You have a college degree and you're cer- you're able to get a certain level of job that allows you a certain level of income that allows you a certain level of comfort, maybe or maybe not true, right? Um, but that's certainly a piece of the a, pu- a piece of the puzzle. And so there is an element in which much of Christianity today is a luxury of those who don't have to work on Sunday mornings. Sure. Don't have to, uh, maybe don't have to worry about childcare through the week. Maybe are able to have a job where one parent can work and another can stay. Like, I mean, there's a lot of branches of Christianity mm-hmm. that feed on that. Um, and so, if you have that college education, I wonder if you're more likely to be able to fit into that category versus having a high school diploma and needing to work, mm-hmm. you know, six seven days a week and not having time to invest in a community in the same way. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's. It's interesting because, I mean, the the theory, right, the prevailing theory is that, oh, when you learn stuff, you unlearn faith, right? You learn that God can't be real if you just learn stuff. And that's certainly not been my experience. Yeah. Um, you know, the more that I had opportunities to study scripture and to study things outside of scripture, including science and math and, well, not math so much, but science, sure. right? I mean, these things all left me with pla- or left me in places where saying, 
even if I kept studying science to the point where I understood every bit of knowledge that humans had, mm -hmm. there would still be an element at which we don't know what happened, right? We don't Absolutely. know how, and yeah. there's still an element of wonder and an element of mystery that I think is just, for me, crucial to the existence of the world. Yeah. No, I, I'm 100% with you. And I think we can definitely see that. Um, there are, you know, certainly plenty of scientists and, you know, even uh, biologists and those that work in, you know, fields that support evolution sure. or a big bang theory that still can have faith grow within those midst yeah so so why do we have this like stigma from the church do you think that if your kids go off to higher education or to public school they're not going to be christian anymore they're going to yeah. lose faith yeah well i mean the church has long demonized science and demonized those who sure. offer explanations of the world that are outside of the bible right mm -hmm. i mean this is Going back to Galileo, uh, who was, you know, told to recant his argument by the church and everything like that, right? I mean, now, Galileo was right, it turns right. out, but the church was not about to accept that. Yeah. And um, so the, the church has a longstanding feud, I guess, uh, mm -hmm. with science in a lot of ways, because it's, e hmm, it's easier for the church to accomplish its work if everybody... Uh, just believes everything the church says and doesn't challenge anything, sure. right? If the book, if the book of the Bible is just these are the words, this is what you do, go do it, right? If that's it and there's no nothing else to the story, that's easier to accomplish than saying, well, this is what the Bible says, mm -hmm. but this is also what we know about the world around us, yeah. and now I'm holding on to a truth, but not necessarily a fact from mm -hmm. the Bible, right? And that that becomes more difficult. It's more work to hold on to faith in that For way. For sure, yeah. And so I, I think that uh, the church is. And in an attempt, perhaps, to hold on to power or at least to hold on to their people, right, is skeptical of anything that uh, encourages people to question what they're being taught in the church. Yeah. Now, on the other side, you know, I think it's really meaningful to enter into faith communities that invite and encourage you to question those things. Absolutely. Because I think that yeah. draws us into a, a deeper mm -hmm. understanding of our community and of our faith in general. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that this is probably the big, you know, my theory of this is, is those kids that do go off to university and, you know, drop out of faith in a sense as they pursue things, they never had opportunity to wrestle and question um, on their own before getting there. Especially if you would say like they were living in, you know, Christian parents in a church community, like in a safe place, they never had those things to do that. And now they're on their own thrust into this, you know, uh, perhaps for the first time, very real people with real differences of opinion yeah. of faith and how, yeah. and the world and these things. And they're no longer have that same connection to their faith community to help them wrestle with these questions on their own. So they're left alone. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, in a sense, I think it is possible for kids to go off to university and lose their, um, their faith because they were, in a protected bubble faith yeah. and they never had a chance to wrestle. Um, and so by the time they, when they get there, they just don't know what to do. Sure. You know, they've not, this is the first time ever thinking maybe Christianity isn't true. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that can be devastating. And there, sure. there certainly are, and I, I encountered some of these too, right? There certainly are professors who have it, who intentionally, set out to like disprove Christianity, sure, yeah. right? And if you're not if you're not aware of that, if you're not, you know, secure enough into your faith to allow for that possibility, it's 
easy to get swept up in that because yeah. they they are often very persuasive and present very reasonable arguments and things like sure, that. It's, it's easy yeah. to get, go there. At the same time, I found it really helpful when my own religion professors would offer things that would dramatically change my or challenge my faith, right? Sure. Um, because they were people who were offering that not out of a, a desire to destroy my faith, but out of an op- or, or desire to uh, strengthen my faith ultimately. Mm-hmm. And so they you know, offer challenging viewpoints or offering, you know, almost offering the atheist perspective to force me to think about it. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, in a lot of ways to firm up my own understanding of what it is that I'm claiming I believe rather yeah. than rather than just letting me rest on my laurels and say, oh, well, I believe this thing because I believed it since Sunday school, you know, and then coming back and saying, well, what about this, this, this or this? And, and giving me the opportunity you know, to do that training almost and to yeah. think through things. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, you encounter those who historically the church has marginalized or dismissed, yep. and now uh, that's your roommate or you know a friend in your friend group, and yep. they're telling your their stories of what it was like to come out in a church youth group and be vilified and yeah. and demonized and you're like but this is my friend mm-hmm. and like you you know never had to experience their experiences and so now it's easy to say where we write all along you know was what, yeah. I, what was was my church youth group just as bad only we didn't have somebody come out in sure. the midst of it yeah you know and and so it's easy to kind of ask those questions and get into those places yeah yeah and so i think if you're if you're a parent or you know grandparent or uh, church worker who works with young people, providing opportunity for kids now to wrestle with these questions matters. Yeah, you know, even in confirmation, we try to say like, hey, when we encounter a story like Jonah and the whale, what do we think? Is this fact? Yeah, does that matter? And present here's. There are plenty of Christians out there who think, yes, Jonah was literally swallowed by a giant fish. And plenty of Christians out there who think this story is allegory and there may not have even been a person named Jonah. Yeah. And and what changes how we read scripture based on those types of thinking? And can you still be pointed to God even with saying, I don't think this story is true, yet the message is true and God is true. And what parts of the Bible do I think are fact mm-hmm. versus are allegory or metaphor or hyperbole? You know, yeah. these are good questions for kids to wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you do that in age appropriate ways, too. Right. Sure. I mean, like we're not introducing to our three year olds like the allegory of Jonah and the whale. Sure. Uh, sure. We're like, yeah, know, here's the two creation stories, children. And let yeah. me talk, like, you know, there are, there are some points in your life at which, yeah, you just you learn the stories because yeah. before you. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like playing jazz. Yeah. I'm, I don't play jazz, but I've heard sure. this from people who do. Right, that before you like play jazz, you have to be really good at playing scales. Yeah. And when you're playing jazz, you don't just play the scales up and down. You learn how to use the scales to do what you want to do mm-hmm. uh, in order to play jazz. Well, sure. in some ways, reading the Bible is the same way. Right, you've got to be really. You just got to understand the stories. You have to have those as kind of like the scales in your back pocket, so that you can begin to see how they play together and how you can weave them together um, to deeper meanings. And I think a lot of us stop at that i have to know all the stories yeah and as if being a christian being a follower of jesus and a faithful to god is just about knowing information yeah because we're gonna die and we're gonna have to take a hundred question multiple choice test and i need to know that noah's son's name was whatever jephthah i think maybe that might not even be right um sham ham i think jephthah yeah yeah Yeah, okay so yeah uh you know that's not that's not the point of the bible right there's a reason that that information is there and there are things that we can uncover when we read that story. But the point is not just learn the information. Sure. 
Yeah. And I mean, if your faith is so built on the story of Noah has to be true. It has to be true for everything else to be true. Mm -hmm. And you go to school and, and they're talking about these things and they say, you know, there's no evidence of a worldwide flood. We have no geographic right. or geological evidence that there was a worldwide flood. And then you're like, well, if that's not true, is everything not true? Mm -hmm. And like it all kind of collapses in on itself. Uh, and so allowing space and time for say like, well, what matters in this book to me? What matters uh, how I read this? What matters in my faith? Mm -hmm. What's the most important parts helps, I think does help kids navigate difficult waters in college and yeah. as they grow up and i think it, it for me it's it's like you're raising children to be adults right not to just to be children yeah. like so you're raising them to question to wrestle to um understand that they're going to encounter people with vastly different points of view and what do they do in those yeah. moments and to do that that means we as adults have to be reading the bible like adults sure and we have to allow ourselves to question and to wrestle and to find spaces where we're comfortable asking those questions. And yes. you know, if you're and if you're in a community right now where you're thinking I'm not comfortable asking these questions here, or I don't feel like I can ask these questions here, yeah. it might be time to look for another community. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, for hum sure. Humble brag, come check out Lord of Life. We'll let you ask all the questions you want. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, just, I this is a little bit off topic, but I think it's related, right? I was just listened to uh, a podcast that came out i don't know mid-pandemic something you you listened to it when it first came down it was the rise and fall of mars hill mm. oh yeah um there's a congregation out in seattle uh, led by a, a pastor named mark driscoll and uh, kind of how it imploded and how a lot of stuff came out in the aftermath uh about what was going on but one of the things that was kind of central to their teaching was that like it was loyalty above all else right yeah. and it was basically like if you question the leader at all and i use the leader intentionally because it was kind of culty but if you question the leader at all you're brought before a sin tribunal and saying yeah. like oh well you're in the sin of questioning leadership and this is first peter whatever and sure. you know and like that kind of community does not breed healthy faith no way um and it does not you know if you come into a congregation and you ask a question of the leader or you ask and they are immediately threatened by that or if your faith is immediately threatened by that like that's not what god intends for us that's not uh, the type of community that helps us grow and helps us expand our understanding of how God is at work in the world. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah. yeah. And if you want to feel real sad about the state of the church, then listen to the rise and fall of Marcel. Yeah, it does. It's it really is sad. disappointing yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it great. Is. It's very well done podcast. It yeah. is yeah. disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the solution is not circle the wagons. And I think Jesus yeah. never once tells his followers circle the wagons yeah. it is never once presented in any point in the new testament that this is what the life of faith is make sure the small group is protected and yeah. and we're not going to go and engage with the culture and people who are potentially against us yeah you know like that is part of faith and so if kids are not prepared to go out of the world the, the solution is not well they got to go to christian school yeah or they got to go to a Christian university. Yeah. Or they got to uh, don't go to university at all. You know, like we got to homeschool them. We got to sure. keep them safe in here. That is never once presented as this is the Christian solution. Now, you right. can homeschool your kids. I was going to say, all those things could be fine. Absolutely. I went to a Christian yeah. school. Yeah. Uh, university and elementary school. You turned out okay. Well, you know, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I went to public, uh, public school through high school, and then I went to a private Lutheran college. There you go. See? 
Yeah, everybody's turn, on a different path. I turned out yeah. all right, I don't but, know. <laughs> but, but I think if you're doing those solely out of like fear, yes. yeah. uh, of of their faith, I think then we're saying what the world says is scary. Yeah, and we're we're instilling that in our kids. The, the messages of those who are not Christian is a scary thing. Yeah, and that's we should not have to be afraid of that. Yeah, we can engage and hold on to our faith. So yeah, I mean, this is, comes down to the uh, bills that have been coming out of Tennessee, and they're all over the place right now that are um, against uh, transgender people in particular. Sure. And I think the Tennessee bill was something along the lines of making it illegal to perform and drag yeah. in front of kids in public or sure. something somehow. And like, if you don't want your kid to see someone performing in drag, like that's that's you. You can sure. you can choose that, right? But yeah. if we're thinking that we have to create laws to try to protect our children from somebody else's expression of how they live their life, right? Yeah. I, I just think we really need to think carefully about what we're doing and how we're uh, how we're wrestling with that. For I don't sure. think that is as clear cut as people like to think it is because yeah. protecting ourselves from something is maybe not the best motivation to try to yeah. do to try to accomplish anything, especially protecting ourselves from something that I think in this case we don't fully understand. For sure. I can say, look, a year ago you we probably never once considered or thought about what is a drag show in yeah. the downtown of my city yeah. and are there children present? And by, you know, children is, you know, are there three-year-olds present? Sure. Are there 15-year-old presents yeah. on the umbrella of children? Yeah. I've never once considered those things and now we have to have like deep like cultural conversation about it when it was not a thing. Yeah. Because it's, you know, typically again brought out of fear and circling the wagons, right? Like yeah. it's brought out of those things. And I don't think we we need to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's one bit of information here that I do think is interesting. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so in their thing... Everything up to this point, folks. None of this has been interesting. This is it right now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sticking you, with you us. you stuck with us, yeah. Bless your soul. Uh, so uh, they range questions to people of different levels of education. Okay. I don't believe in God. To I know God really exists, and I have no doubts about it. Oh, okay. okay. So the... Lower you were in education, uh-huh. the higher you were in that last statement. I know God exists, and I have no doubts about okay, it. Okay, so if I'm lower in education, I'm more firm, God exists, and I have no doubts. Correct. Okay. So 56% of those with a high school degree, no doubt about it, or just okay. a high school degree, where the more education you would have, you would be less certain about that. There's less certainty on that last statement. So only yeah. 38% of graduate degrees would say, I believe God exists, and I have no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think we could get on all sorts of uh, questions about the question itself. Yeah. But for me, doubt is such an essential part of my faith experience. Like, for sure. If I try to convince or try to say I have no doubt, that's just not, it's not faithful, right? Like, yeah. there are lots of things that make me, make me doubt and make me wonder. But in the midst of all of that, right, this is, uh, Jesus saying to his disciples, are you going to walk away too? And then coming back and saying, where else are we going to go? Yeah. Like, I don't have anything in this life that provides me a better option Absolutely. or, or yeah. more yeah, opportunity sure. to experience joy or hope or promise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there are moments when I doubt and there are moments when I question, and there are moments when I say, I don't know if I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm behind all of this, but if I keep living into this promise of love and this promise of acceptance and this promise of joy, I think I'm going to be better off and I think the world's going to be better off. Yeah. It, uh, there was a, I don't remember who it was, but somebody was talking to me about this the other night, but it was basically this idea of like, if you make a, if you make Christianity logical, or if you try to make Christianity mm-hmm. logical, right, then you have a couple of options. Either, either heaven is real and hell is real or they're not. And so if you believe heaven is real and you act like heaven is real, then you probably get to go to heaven. 
Yeah. But if you don't believe heaven is, I don't remember. I'm not explaining this well. We should just cut this all out. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Ignore that entirely. Okay. Well, I think for me, you know, like this was uh, probably raised on like this idea. Like I remember growing up and the idea of like Christian morality was like instilled in us, like in Sunday school. And I went to private school for elementary school. Like Christians were moral. Right. And the subtext is non-Christians are not. Right. You know, and sometimes that's not even subtext. Sometimes that's the text. Explicit. You know, very explicitly stated, you know, like non-Christians are not moral. And then you meet Mm non-Christians and they seem just as moral, sometimes more so. Look at them feeding the homeless. Huh. my my Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah. And so then, again, if that was my, my, my wall that had to be there and that crumbles you know, everything can crumble with it unless sure. it's willing to give, unless I'm willing to wrestle with that of like, wait a second, sometimes Christians aren't really all that moral. And for some people in this world, the Christian church is the villain of their story, yeah. like very legitimately and not because, you know, they're just sinners and they don't want to hear the good news of Jesus. Sure. It's like they really were wounded and hurted in a very real and painful fashion by those who identify as Christian, yeah. same as me. Yeah. And so, so for me, being able to wrestle with like, yeah, does Christianity make you a better person? And I was like, sometimes it doesn't, you know, yeah. in fact, maybe often it doesn't. But is that the goal of Christianity changes, right? Like for me, the, the, what keeps coming back to is not the morality, the rules, the law book of Christianity, but the redemptive story is just so powerful and beautiful that it, I cannot stay away from who Jesus is. Right. Yeah. And so even when I see the church flounder and fail, uh, and sometimes publicly and sometimes brutally and sometimes yeah. embarrassingly so, yeah. uh, the redemptive power of Jesus is just so uh, alluring to me um, that so even, yeah, I may have doubts about church, doubts about about God yeah. and all these different things, but that is what's draw continues to draw you in yeah. uh, for me. Uh, and so, yeah, I think exploring with kids and teenagers, what continues to draw you in yeah. matters so sure. that when, when everything else is stripped away, what is going to continue to draw them back? Mm. It matters. So I'm pretty sure that was a worship song from the 90, from the nineties. Probably. Sounds about right. Everything's stripped away. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but yeah. it was there. All right. There you go. Education. 30 years ago. That's when it was from. Yes. <laughs> Goodness. All right. Well, thank you, Patrick. This is fun. Yeah. Listeners, uh, we've got a listener mail. Are we ready for that? I'm ready. All right. So this is from a longtime listener, apparently, uh, Natalie. Uh, she says, Hi, Natalie. For, yeah. First, let me say I love this podcast. Aww. You can say that as often as you want. Yeah, you can send us an email anytime just it. to say yeah. that. Uh, I don't know if you know this about me, but my husband works in Beaumont. So almost every week we drive uh, to be with him during the week and come home on the weekends. Uh, and... <laughs> That's funny. The first time I ever listened to y'all, I was like, they have been talking about this man pushing a peanut up a mountain for 10 minutes. I remember that episode. That was was a good one. Uh, What in the world am I listening to? Uh, But now this podcast is one of the only things that makes my drive bearable. I believe that. It'd be tough to drive to Beaumont. It's long. Ever, let alone on a regular basis. <laughs> I hate commuting. All right, but why she actually uh, emailed was back to uh, the happy song uh, piece okay. that you, it was you and uh, Elise, I think, huh? that did the happy songs. Uh, and she wants to say that the formula from two weeks ago is straight up whack. No, dis- no disagreement. This is her term, not mine. <laughs> um, the first most obvious thing that tipped me off was that two of the songs on this guy's list, I don't remember his name, are in minor keys. Okay. So that's one thing. Uh, and then, let's see. Uh, this, oh, 
Um, she's also used a handful of these songs in her spin classes. She's a spin instructor. And so she knew off the top of my head uh, that the beats per minute did not equal or really even come near to the 137 that he was apparently recommending. <laughs> and so uh, she started thinking to herself, this guy just picked 10 songs that he liked and found out what most of them have in common and then called that a formula. Because I had this strange need to prove my theory, I found out the beats per minute for all these songs that range from 124 to 150 and averaged them out. And wouldn't you know it, the average beats is 137. Okay. <laughs> she w- she really went a deep dive She on did this. the math. Okay. I'm very impressed. Uh, me too. Yeah, that's All right. awesome. Now, that being said, she'd like to add some songs that she thinks are happier than some of the songs from Dr. What's-His-Name. Great, great, great. Uh, thousand percent agree with Barb about Walking on Sunshine, okay. which apparently is still by Katrina and the Waves, not Casing the Sunshine Band, which sure. I would have gotten <laughs> in my grave thinking <laughs> that was Casing the Sunshine Band. Yeah. Uh, Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. Okay. Uh, Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, solid choice. Yeah. Uh, Brown Eyed Girl, classic. The Jimmy Buffett version will always be number one in my heart, but I guess the original was Van Morrison. I would personally go for Van Morrison over Buffett on okay. that one, but that's all right. And Happy by Pharrell Williams, which, uh-huh. yeah, clap along if you're happy. Sure. Uh, that's all. Keep doing what y'all are doing. Uh, it doesn't have to have a key or a beats per minute. It beats per minute. It's at the top of my list for things that make me happy. Okay. Thank Aww. you, Natalie. Oh. Thanks. She and she's a musician, so she knows things. Yeah, she actually like did research. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took yeah. our podcast to a whole new level with that one. Yeah, yeah. research. What? <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to go look that one up. We don't know that one. Yeah. Thank you, Natalie. Hey, listeners, if you uh, liked this episode, or if you have another comment about happy songs, or if you want to know where the commitment went from uh, from Elise and Cassandra, we would love to hear your thoughts on that. You can email us just like Natalie did at beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can find all of our episodes at www.beyondsundaypodcast.com. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Beyond Sunday. <laughs>